well, hey, today I want to jump in this. And, and uh, we've been in a sermon series now for a number of weeks in Romans chapter 14. What an incredible chapter of the Bible. It's an amazing chapter because we need it so badly as Christians. So many years ago in Rome, in that church that Paul was writing the letter to, you know, that you know the, the drill and you know what was going on, but there were these groups of people. There were Jews that were there, and they had grown up their whole lives with a, in a Jewish home, with a Jewish tradition and laws, uh, the Mosaic laws, and all the things and guidelines and principles and all the days they observed and the foods they could eat and they couldn't eat, and they do this on a certain day. They had all these rules and regulations. Then you had this other group of people that were being saved coming into the church as Christians, and they were Gentiles, and they came from all kind of backgrounds. I mean, all kind of pagan belief systems. And, and, and they weren't strapped to some of those old religious rules and regulations that we see in the Old Testament. And they're coming in, and so you've got all these people in this church. They, some of them have this rich tradition of the Jewish background. Some of them come from these pagan belief systems. You have some of them that are sort of mature Christians, some of them that aren't mature Christians. They're all over the board. And as we've seen in chapter 14, you know, th they are fussing and fighting a little bit. And, and it's, it's not like a, a terrible big issue. It's just that, you know, the Jews are coming in and they're a little more scrupulous about things. They, they followed rules and regulations their entire lives, and so they bring those rules and regulations into the church. The pagans that are coming and being saved, they come and there's a lot of freedom, and they're going, we don't follow all those rules and regulations. That, that, you're being too rigid. You're being too legalistic. No, and, and so they're over here, and these guys are over here, and everybody's pointing their fingers at each other, and the, you know, one group's saying, well, you're not a Christian because you don't do that, and the other group's saying, well, you're not a good Christian because you don't do this, and th there's this tension that exists in the church. And all through Romans 14, we've been talking about how we as Christians are supposed to relate to each other over something called disputable matters. Now, disputable matters are simply things that we hold dear. Maybe you hold dear. Maybe it's something that you believe and you think this thing is wrong. It's a sin. And you, man, you believe it. Why do you believe it? Because your grandmama said it was a sin and your mama said it was a sin and you grew up in a church and they said it was a sin. The problem is, the Bible doesn't really say it's a sin. But, but you've grown to believe this. And so this is something, a personal conviction you hold. And, and some people hold very rigid personal convictions. Some people are a lot more free. They go, the Bible does not say this is a sin. Therefore, I'm going to do this thing. I don't feel anything wrong with it. I, I'm going to do it. And so you've got these two groups of people. And even in the church today, we have that group of people. People trying to, and then so what happens is each side tries to tell the other side how they ought to live their life. And they point their finger and say, well, you're not really a good Christian because you're not keeping enough rules. And this one over here says, well, you're, you're not really a good Christian because you're too legalistic. And so there's this tension. And all through Romans 14, Paul's addressing that tension. And now I, I told, um, my, I was telling my wife the other day, I said, yeah, this has been the weirdest it's a great book of the Bible, but it's been weird in chapter 14. I felt like, I literally have felt like that every sermon's the same sermon. It's weird. It, it feels like I keep preaching the same thing over and over. Well, actually, I kind of am because Paul keeps talking about the same thing over and over, but he puts a little bit different spin on it. Well, today we're going to be wrapping up chapter 14. We're going to bring this to a close, and I'm going to remind you of some things that Paul said and then, then we'll wrap it all up. And then we'll jump into chapter 15 beginning next week. And that'll be exciting because we'll be changing a little bit of direction. 
But as we look at the, the end of, of chapter 14, uh, one of the things that, and, and if you missed any of the verse, let me say, if you missed any of the, the sermons and you, you want to go back, because this is the last one in the series, you can go to heartchurch.org. You ought to be experts at that by now. Heartchurch.org, and you can go to forward slash um, uh, go to media and, uh, and then click on the sermon series. It's not about me. And you can, you can look at the, the sermons. But uh, today we're going to be wrapping it up. And, uh, and so I want to review a couple things. But the first thing that I want you to see today, and I want you to, as we look at things that we've learned from chapter 14, is I want you to, 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 to take this, this statement and, and listen and take this to heart. We've learned that in Christianity, there are disputable matters. Every single thing in Christianity is not just black and white. There are disputable matters. There are things in the Bible that the Bible does not clearly call a sin. But that people, because of the way we've been brought up, we have very strong opinions about. And to the point that, like I said a moment ago, sometimes we think we will tell people it's sinful if you do that. But you can't say somebody in the Bible that it says this is sinful. Or, 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 and so we have these tensions that exist in the church today because somebody will look at somebody doing something they think is a sin, even though the Bible doesn't say it's a sin, and they'll say that person's not, and then they talk about it. They're not a good Christian. Or they'll go to them and say, you need to change your ways. Then you got the, the, the people over here that, that, that they're, they're saying, well, you're too free in all the things that you do. You need to change your ways. The people that are free and they express themselves and they're not worried about some things. They go, you're too rigid and you're too legalistic. And the Bible speaks about legalism and you're sinning against God. So we still have those tensions in the church today. There are things the Bible is not crystal clear on. Matter of fact, when we look at the, the, the Romans chapter 14 and the verses that we've been looking at, Paul literally talks, he uses three examples. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list. I mean, there are other examples too, but there are three things. And listen to this. You remember them in Romans chapter 14, verse 2, Paul talks about eating meat. These people were fussing, fighting about whether or not you should eat meat. Okay, some people thought you shouldn't. Some people thought it was okay. The Bible doesn't condemn eating meat. It doesn't say one way or the other, but, but some people had strong personal convictions because of their background on eating meat. Listen to Romans 14 too. One person believes that he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Now, he's not talking about a person's weak because they eat only vegetables. He, 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 this is tough to explain, but he draws a distinction. Paul calls people that are very rigid and legalistic and follow all these rules, and that's the way their Christian life is lived out, is following rules. He calls them weak Christians because they've not matured in their faith enough to know that you have freedom in Christ. He calls strong Christians those people who have gotten past that. So when he says this, he's saying one person believes he may eat anything. That's a person that has freedom and says, I can eat anything I want to eat. And the other person that says, no, you can only eat vegetables. He says that person's a weak person because they've not matured in their faith past the point of the legalism. And so, but eating meat is one of those things that was a disputable matter in the Roman church. Then he talks about that, that another thing they were fussing and fighting about was considering certain days as of special spiritual significance. You know, in the Jewish, Jewish community, they had all these rituals and days and festivals and all these different things. I'm sure that this was pointed at a lot of the Jews in the crowd because they were bringing that stuff with them into Christianity. And the, and the people that didn't have a Jewish background were going, no, no, that stuff matters. Listen to what Paul says in verse 5, chapter 14. One person esteems one day as better than another while another esteems all days alike. 
And then the next issue is drinking wine. And in Romans 14, 21, he says, it's not good to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Now he's throwing, and you look at all the commentaries, he's throwing wine in here, drinking wine, because some of the people thought it was okay to drink wine, some of the people thought it was not okay to drink, and I think that's probably, in our culture today, it's one of the things we fuss and fight over the most, right? Certain denominations, it's okay, certain it's not. Well, hey, what what does Paul say? He says this, he goes, none of the things I've mentioned are disputable, they're all disputable matters. The Bible does not condemn It doesn't say this is a sin if you do any of the things he just mentioned. And he says, but Romans and Heartland and whoever else, you guys are fussing and fighting over these things. You shouldn't be focusing on these things. You're focusing on the minors. You need to get your head in the majors. You need to be telling people about Jesus and you need to be sharing the gospel and focusing on those things and quit focusing on things that are your personal preference. That's what he's saying. Now, I know that makes some of you uncomfortable. Read Romans 14. That's what Paul is, is saying. He said, and then and he says, people in the church had differing convictions regarding these things, and they were arguing over them. Now, the interesting thing is that when Paul does not, there's something he does not do. He doesn't go over here to the, to the group that's, that's keeping every rule. They won't eat meat. They won't drink wine. They won't, you know, they, they, they hold these spiritual days as special. They're very rigid, and they want to keep every rule because they don't, you know, that's the way they are. He doesn't go to that group and say, you're my favorite group. Or, shame on you. And he doesn't go to the group that says, I think it's okay to eat meat. I'm not keeping all those days. I drink a little wine once in a while. He doesn't go over there and go, shame on you. Or, you're my favorite group. You know what he does? He slaps the hand of both groups. He says, you people that have freedom and that you don't, you don't care, you think that's okay to do those things, then, then, then you just need to do what your personal convictions and your conscience tells you between you and God and you ought to keep that to yourself and don't be trying to tell these people over here that they're wrong and don't be trying to get them to do what you're doing because they have personal convictions about it because that's sinful to do that and you people over here that think you've got it all nailed down and you think everything in the world's wrong and they're not doing what you say so they obviously can't be saved because oh he ate a little meat he must not be saved you need to stop it too because you're sinning against God he slapped both of their hands why? Because those things are disputable matters. They're a matter of personal preference, and they don't, God's word does not forbid them or call them sin. And so you don't have a right to call them sin. And what's right for one person might not be right for the other person. Now, what, oh, what about, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know what some of you are thinking right now. Ed, sin is sin. No, it's not. Yes, it is, and no, it's not. Confused? If the Bible says something is sin, it's sin for everybody. Got it? If the Bible says don't lie and you lie, you're a sinner. Right? But there are things that the Bible does not say are explicitly wrong. And so you have to go to God and you have to determine if if that's okay for you. Between you and God. And if it's okay for you, it's okay for you. But if you think something's a sin and you're convicted over it and you do it anyway, that thing for you is a sin. You see what I'm saying? So literally two people, one person can drink wine, it's not a problem. Another person can drink wine, it's a sin for that person because they think it's wrong to drink wine. You see where I'm coming from? So sin 
If you violate your faith, what you believe, if you believe this is something I should not do because it does not please God and you do it anyway, then for you it is a sin. Doesn't mean it's a sin for me. So sin is sin, yes, but it can be a little different for us. Depending on our personal convictions also, that comes into play. That's what Paul is saying. We'll see that more in a moment. But Paul says that we can't, we can't be, be, be um, there are disputable matters, and we need to understand some things about this. That uh, He makes it clear that these are disputable matters, these things he's mentioned, and he says that we should not despise people who do something different than we do because God has welcomed that person. In other words, God has welcomed them. They've placed their faith and trust in Jesus. They have different personal convictions over some things than you have that are not clearly stated in the Bible as sin, and that's perfectly okay. Which brings us to the second principle. When it comes to disputable matters, our personal conscience is our guide. Now, I've already alluded to this. I've already said it a moment ago. But listen to this. Romans 14, 5. Each one, that's each person, should be fully convinced in his own mind. So, so if, you know, if, if, uh, when it comes to disputable matters, if you're going to eat meat or not eat meat, let's use the Roman example, if you're going to use meat or not eat meat, you have to come to a personal conviction over that. You have to pray and talk to God. What is your heart telling you? Where are you in this? What is God telling you? And then it's your personal conviction. Then the last two verses of our chapter today, Romans 14, 22 through 23. Okay, the faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Now, here's the deal. Well, I'll read the whole thing, then I'll come back. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats. Because the eating is not from faith, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. That's what I said a moment ago. You see, the faith that you have, first of all, keep it between yourself and God. If you think this is okay and the Bible doesn't say it's wrong, and you do that, you don't have to go out and scream from the rooftops that you're doing it. You need to just keep it between yourself and God. You don't make a big deal out of it. You don't try to convince somebody who sees it different than you do to do what you do. If you don't think it's okay, well, you don't go to somebody and tell them they're a sinner because they do it, because it's a disputable matter. You keep it between yourself and God. I did a whole sermon on this a few weeks ago, and I'm just going to give you the title, Mind Your Own Business. Mind Your Own Business. You know, one of the, you know 90% of the problems in Christianity is not because of theological issues. 90% of the problems in the church and in Christianity is because we fuss and fight about disputable matters. Stuff that God hasn't clearly defined, but we've made up our mind, and buddy, we're pretty much like a little God. And if you don't do it our way, then you're sinning against God. But let me tell you something. You're not God. There's only one. He exists in the form of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's written in his word. And he said there are disputable matters. And you need to just leave other people alone when it comes to your personal convictions. Because you know what they are? They're, like, they're your personal opinions. They're just like armpits. Everybody's got a couple and they stink. <laughs> See? So when it comes to our disputable matters, we need to let our personal conscience be our guide. We're not supposed to flaunt our freedoms, and we're not supposed to look down on other people if we're real rigid and they're not. Romans 14, 20, and 21 says, Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. 
Everything is indeed, Paul says, everything is clean, indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It's good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Now, this verse right here is a great verse because this is the verse that gets thrown out all the time. Somebody, they, you know, they think something's a sin and somebody else is doing it. And they get into a conversation and the person that's doing it says, well, I don't have any problem with it. It does not say, no, don't do this, this is sin in the Bible, and I just don't have a problem with it. Well, you shouldn't do it anyway because you're causing your brother to stumble. That is a bad way to use that verse. The fact that that person is criticizing the other person because they're exercising their freedom is making the other person mad, so they're causing that person they're making mad to stumble. Just as much as the person doing exercising their freedom can be causing someone to stumble. The deal is this, you keep it between yourself and God. You don't flaunt your freedoms. If there's someone and you know this is going to offend them, or there's someone and you know they hold a different view, then don't go and just do it on purpose to make them mad. That doesn't make any sense, does it? That's not caring about the other person. But you can cause your brother to stumble by being too legalistic. You can cause your brother to stumble by flaunting your freedom. Paul says that's why you keep it between yourself and God. You got too many more important things to worry about than this kind of stuff. There are people dying and going to hell because they don't have a relationship with Jesus. You need to be telling people about Jesus. That's what you need to be doing. And that's what he's talking about. He says, he says you destroy the work of God. Now, now when he says, don't destroy the work of God for food or for these disputable matters. In other words, how can you destroy the work of God with these disputable matters? Well, here's how you do it. If something is a disputable matter and you start fussing and fighting about it and you're fighting and you're telling somebody else they're wrong and you're tearing them down and you're making them angry and they're making you angry, well, none of that stuff is, up, is, is, build, is building righteousness. It's all sinful. So, so, you're, so you're tearing down that person. And the Bible says that you and me, we are God's workmanship. So when we tear down the work of God, we're tearing down another person. He says, look, just keep it between yourself and God. If, if it, the Bible does not say this is a sin, you pray about it, you talk to God about it. If you're comfortable with it, don't flaunt it. You just keep it between you and God and you live your life. Don't be arguing and fussing and fighting about all this stuff. There's too many more things we need to be talking about. That's exactly what Paul is saying. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. Personal preference is the one thing that will destroy a church. A personal preference. We determined a long time ago, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being transparent and being honest. I'm back. I just got a vent. Okay. We, 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 we determined a long time ago at Heartland that we weren't going to allow personal preferences to run our, so many churches you know, this lady over here thinks it's too cold in the sanctuary. This one over here thinks it's too hot. This guy over here thinks you use the word but in a sermon, and he's mad at you for using the word but in a sermon. And this, we just decided a long time ago that I don't give a rip what anybody thinks. I'm going to preach the word of God. You like it? Like it. Don't. There's a whole bunch of other churches. Go there. We're just going to preach the word of God. Now, I don't mean to be mean, but if I went by personal preferences, we got 3,000 people that call this place home. Can you imagine? Boy, there'd be somebody back there going, it's too hot, boom, too cold, boom, too hot, boom, too cold, boom, boom, their conditioner blow up. It'd be crazy. If it's too cold, wear a sweater. If it's too hot, wear a short sleeve shirt. Man, when I went to church as a kid, we didn't even have an air conditioner in the church. 
I remember the preacher spitting and snorting, and he was sweating, and I was a little kid just laying on that wooden pew, sweat running off of me. Nobody cared. They were just interested in hearing the Word of God. What happened to those people? We all got soft, didn't we? We wanted our way. Well, I don't like what he said. I don't like the fact I don't like what he's wearing. I don't like this. I don't care. It's disputable matters. Keep it to yourself. Mind your own business. I'll mind mine. We'll all be happy. It's good. I told you I'm back. It's not our job, point number three, it's not our job to judge our fellow believers on disputable matters. It's not your job to be the judge. You know, why, and listen to 1410, why do you pass judgment on your brother or you, why do you despise your brother? Because we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God. Listen, this last little point just listen, follows the other points, but listen to 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's all of us, each one of us. So that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. You know, that's a great verse because what that verse says is this. It says that one day you and I are going to stand before God and we're going to give an account of the deeds done in our body. So that means that as we go through our life, we don't have to judge other people on disputable matters. Now, if somebody's sinning overtly, somebody shoots somebody, you go, don't do that. Stop it. You're sinning. If somebody's lying, you don't lie. The Bible says, do not lie. If somebody's stealing, you don't do that. The Bible says, you know, there's things that are, that are sinful, but there's things that are disputable matters. And we don't have to judge people on disputable matters. It's not even our job. Matter of fact, Paul says, don't do it. Because one day, we're all going to stand before God, and he's going to judge. And here's the deal. You may think something about someone, but you're flawed, and you're sinful. And, and they're flawed, and they're sinful. So you may think something, and your thinking may be wrong. But God knows our hearts, and he knows the intents of our hearts, and he's the perfect judge. And one day, those things that I did, because in my conscience, I felt good about, one day, I'm going to be looking at my Savior, and, I'm, and he's going to make it, he's going to say it was right or wrong, or he's going to get on to me, whatever. But it's his job to judge. Aren't you glad it's his job to judge? You know what that does? When I read this, this is what I did. I sat back, literally, when I was studying, I sat back, and I went, this is a great verse. Whew. I don't have to judge. I don't have to be the Bible police. I don't have to judge everybody on disputable matters. You know what I can do? I can love other people. I can build them up. I can tell them about Jesus. I can point them to him and let him clean them up. I don't have to do it. Isn't that a lot of responsibility to clean other people up? I don't know about you. I have enough trouble cleaning my own self up. Right? Now, I'm not talking again, don't get me wrong, if somebody's sinning, hey, we need to call that out. We need to help them, point them in the right direction. But if it's a disputable matter, we need to mind our own business. You know, as you look at all this, this whole sermon series, and you look at chapter 14 of Romans, it literally can be summed up in the title. It's not about me. Paul knew that when things become about us, when, when it becomes about Ed, or it becomes about whoever, nothing good comes out of that. It shouldn't be about us. We should be more concerned about him. It should be about Jesus, and it should be about our neighbors. The Bible says, when, when, when that young man came and he asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, he said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. 
and love your neighbor as yourself. That is totally other people focused. There's not one thing about loving you in there, loving me. Now, granted, we love ourselves. If you don't believe you love yourself, you know, let somebody put you on a railroad track and let a train be coming, you're going to try to get off the railroad track because you love yourself. And that's why you go, ladies, and you go down there and you pop up in those chairs and you're so happy those salons open again and you got that little lady and she's got those things between your toes. You love yourself. You know? Guys, that's why you, you, know, you got all those deer heads hanging in your house because you love yourself. Oh, it's not about the deer. It's about me going, look at me. I killed Bambi. Now, if he's a 12-pointer, I'll talk to you. Okay, but anyway, but you see what I'm saying? It's about us. But Paul says, no, it's not about you. And he says, listen, the church will never be what the church is supposed to be, and you will never be the Christian that you're supposed to be until you get this in your head. And you can say, without any reservation, it's not about me. That's what we've got to get. Father, we thank you so much for this. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that Paul spent an entire chapter out of this letter telling us that it's not about us. God, I know that some of the stuff in these messages has been uncomfortable because we've been brought up in believing in certain things and we have strong convictions about things. But Paul is saying that our convictions are not as important as advancing the kingdom. And so God, help us all to be the kind of people that we need to be. Father, I pray right now that if there is a person here that needs a relationship with you, God, that today they will place their faith and their trust in you as Lord and Savior. Because God, I can tell you this, we are broken. When the sin in the Garden of Eden, when the fall took place, our relationship with you was marred. It was broken. It was dirty, sullied. And God, at that point in time, we were changed forever. And now we are self-centered beings. And the only way that we can ever be other people focused is if your Holy Spirit indwells us and helps us to be other people focused. So God, help us to be those kind of people. And if there's anybody here today and they don't have a relationship with you, but maybe today, God, you've gripped their heart. Maybe today they feel convicted. Maybe today they feel like, I need a relationship with Jesus. God, would, would, you, would you just, Lord, touch them and, and, and have them pray with me right now. And if that's you, you pray with me right now. Now listen, there's nothing magic about a prayer. I always, always qualify this with that because I don't want you to think that I uttered a prayer and I'm okay. But if this is coming from your heart, if this is coming from the depths of who you are and you genuinely and sincerely desire a relationship with Jesus, you just pray with me right now. Just pray, Jesus, I am a sinner. God, I, 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 right now I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me of those sins, to remove them, to erase them, to take them away from my life. And in the best way I know how right now, I'm committing my life to following you from this point forward. God, I'm gonna need help. I need, I need your Holy Spirit. And thank you for promising to send him when I put my faith and trust in you. And so God, right now, I commit my life to you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.